This is Judy Jean Kwan, your host. America Redefined is a part personal diary, part interview, and part resource podcast for immigrants, where we explore the American immigrant experience, and I want to share with you what it's really like to be an immigrant in America. When are you officially an American? Is it having a piece of paper? Is it looking a certain way? Is it acting a certain way? Or is it the amount of time you are here? When are you officially considered an American? Meet Juanita. Juanita came to America when she was 13 years old because of her dad's work. Juanita's dad was a talented musician and a band director for a 12-14 member band, kind of like Ricky Ricardo in I Love Lucy. Juanita came to America in August of 1961. And here is Juanita's experience in America. I was 13. I had barely turned 13. I didn't want to come. <laughs> I did not want to come because it was very sad. First year or two, I cried. I cried and I cried because I couldn't talk to anyone. I didn't have neighbors to talk to. And in school, I mean, I did okay in school, but yet I, I got home, there was nothing to do. There was no friends to play with. My mom still was very old-fashioned. She hardly let us go out of the house and stuff. So it was hard. Oh, you, so you would die if, if you, she literally would beat us. We just stayed home on the weekend. Went grocery shopping and church. Well, the, the Catholic Church had a lot of influence, but it's, it's the way we were raised. In Mexico, we went to school from 9 to 12, went home and had our lunch, and came back at 2 and went to school till 5. No one told me the system here. They just dropped me in school. I didn't know that you have to have... Um, lunch or money when I get closer to the cash register then I saw that people were paying and I, I just went with my hands that I couldn't eat so I went and sat down and I didn't eat all day so we used to take the bus in middle school and the bus driver went and complained to the office and they called me to the office and I go oh my god what did I do if my mom finds out she'll kill me and the principal started talking to me, and, and I go, what did I do? What did I do? And, and she goes, you didn't do anything. Didn't some boys harass you? They made you cry, the bus driver said. And I go, yes. And then I asked her, well, what can I do to advance more? Because I'm behind. What She goes, what do you mean you're behind? How old are you? Let me look at your documents. And then she goes, you need to be in high school. And I go, well, they put me here, so I don't know. So then um, she goes, okay come with me. And she took me to the high school and registered me. And the next day I started in high school. We, my dad didn't know and we didn't know. So you found out on your own, watching and trying to learn. I couldn't go to anything to the games or anything. No. My sisters did go to the games because one was in the drill team and the other one was part of the band. So they were able to go just to the games. They still never went to the dances, but School. my mom said I could go through the prom if I would take my dad. Was I gonna take my dad? No, I know. A couple of guys were interested in me. One even walked me home 
Then my mom came home and she, she goes, I never want to see this again. I was still 20 and I couldn't go out. I was not allowed to go out. By then I, I knew more. I was working and I was more, I had opened my eyes as to what was going on and how to do things. I was 21 and one day I just talked to my dad and I said, this is different. I'm, I'm literally dying. I go, I feel like I'm choking here. I need to go be able to go out and just have fun. I went to um, a dance in LA. I would usually, I would only go to the big bands when they were playing big places. But this time we wanted to go to a different place. It was a smaller place. And I went with my sister and her boyfriend. And we got there really early. And I go, oh my God, we're the first gun. So embarrassing. So we sat down and this guy came and asked me to dance. And it was my husband. He started, he said he saw me from the time I came in. And that man that asked Juanita to dance was Ramon. In the beginning of this next section, the her Ramon talks of is his first love. And here is Ramon's version of how he met Juanita. Well, actually, I have another girl, which is, uh, which is, I was, I was really cared about her. He, he, she cared for me. She, she was young like me. I was uh, the, the, back then, seven, uh, 17, 17 and a half or whatever. I buy, I bought me a car. Who bought it? I buy a car. You bought a car. Yeah, I buy a car, but I can ride because I, I don't know how to ride. My, my uncle, one of my uncles was driving the car. And he took me, you know, he took me to work and took me to work and, and, and he took me to see her. So one day <laughs> I went to the, to the place where she was living. The house was empty. They moved out. I don't, she don't let me know. The last time I see her was maybe a month. Oh, so it was like a month and then when and, that month? And the month she's gone. And, and he moved. He moved. He, I went. What happened? I, I'm. I'm just. I'm just guessing that maybe. Maybe uh, the dad was thinking that she wanna get married with me, or I don't know what he was thinking. To Jan or so. What I don't know. So I don't know what what he's in mind. Mm-hmm. But the only thing I know, yeah. she's not there. And I, I look at the door, enter the door, and I saw her. I, I see Juanita walking in. At the same time, when I see her, she reminded me of the girl that I, uh, I was I was dating in Mercedes. So I went and you know I asked for dance, and you know no 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 no, <laughs> and we started dancing. Juan is also from Mexico. He was one out of ten children from a very poor family and came from very different circumstances. He's, he was raised kind of like me, and he's the oldest like me. So they made him believe that he's the one responsible for all of them because he's the man. So he's been working since he was five years old. He, his mother would rent him to people. They would take him for like a week at a time. He, 
the five or seven year old kid didn't come home until the weekends and just bring the money to mom. Another time he worked and um, he showed me this um, bridge in that big highway near their town. He worked there for, I think, three or six months, something like that. They would just make like a little tent with, you know, wood or cardboard or something. With these strangers, he would sleep there and just work and work. And then when he got paid, he would send the money to his mom. And one time he almost died because they made this huge hole and he was at the bottom with another guy. And then all of a sudden, the dirt came in. Luckily, he's always been very athletic. He always plays sports. So he said, I just jump as high as I could. And he said only his neck was one of his aunts later she came to the United States she was visiting and she goes here's this kid working on this bridge and my brother is at home drunk and the kid is supporting the family he came illegally to work in the fields And I come here to the United States in Houston in 1969. I was 17 years old. Wow. The, oh, you went from Guadalajara to Tijuana? Yes. How far is Guadalajara from? It's three days. Three days, wow. Well, two, days, one, uh, two nights and one day, uh, vice versa. So we went to the motel to find a coyote. Oh, in Tijuana? In Tijuana. Mm -hmm. So we, we did find a coyote. Pay me, I paid $300 the coyote. No, we went to the car, so, so he had another guy on San Isidro, mm -hmm. telling him when, when the ice is there. When, back in the day, they had some arrows to change ships. They had somebody there, they, they watch it, and they, they, they let him know, this is the time you can cross. And we get in a, we get in a little car to the place we're going we're gonna to have to cross. We, we, we arrived far away from the town away for the people can see us. We were walking but probably probably about two, three hours we were walking on the on the desert and to get the place to we're gonna keep pick up. Mm -hmm. I come here, I will start working here. I, I was doing everything. I was in the farm, factories, you know, whatever whatever I can. I was I was seventeen years old. So, you know, I, I got the girls all over the place on, on top of me. The brother saw me. We just talking. We just talking. The brother went and talked to his dad, and they, they, they called the police. And the police went, uh, went and looked for me where I was leaving. But I wasn't there. So my friend, he put a finger on me where I, where, where I was. He was scared because he was illegal too. They, they want to take me. I don't want. I don't want to do that. They prefer to take him. They went looking for me. What I what what he told I was, and they got me. They took me to a younger younger kids jail. Oh, juvie. Yeah. They took me there. They they came here for. I believe three four days, and they sent me back to Mexico. Five months, January the, the next year, I, I was I was in the bus again. Well, so it was less than less than uh, even. It's like less than five months later, you're on the bus again? Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and how did that go? Well, that was go. That was a little bit harder. 
Ramon came right back to America in less than six months after being sent back home to Mexico. So would Ramon have stayed in Mexico if we had a big giant wall between Mexico and America? Speaking of wall, we can't ignore the Great Wall of China because that is basically what our current administration is proposing is to build a big wall between two countries. So we all know history repeats itself and we also know that by learning history you could stop making the same mistakes. So to understand that I googled again and came upon a website called chinamike.com. I'll put the link up on my website so you guys could click on it. According to China Mike it says that the big great wall of China was created um, to keep out the northern nomads. The most popular northern nomads that come to mind are the Mongols, like Genghis Khan. People of these northern um, areas, they lived in close proximity, um, often overlapping territories with the Chinese, and had distinctively different cultures and languages from the Chinese. So they were different. Uh, the northern nomads moved around, so that, hence they're called nomads. And they were really good on horseback and good at um, fighting. So it says here that for 2,000 years, um, these northern nomads regularly harassed the Chinese um, civilization. Han Dynasty historian wrote that these nomads simply had an inborn nature towards plundering and marooding. <laughs> and they were like terrorists, is basically what he was saying. So when there is drought or famine in, in the north, the nomads were forced to find, you know, nicer pastures, which was south by the Han Chinese territory. So then they would come and pillage and um, steal from the more stable, stationary, or better off, neighbors, the Chinese. So historians also noted that these persistent problems with their neighbors helped shape a sense of Chinese cultural superiority. All outsiders were lumped into uncivilized barbarian category. Uh, it's an attitude that persists through the early 20th century, and there's still a sense of cultural superiority in China today. So also the Chinese intellectuals, it says, pointed to the wall as a symbol of what's wrong with China. It says that it's too conservative and focused on the past glory days and tend to look inward rather than outward. It says also that others see it as a symbolic of a longtime Chinese practice of trying to keep the foreign cultures and influences out rather than absorbing and learning from them. So it said the Chinese um, built this big Great Wall of China to keep their invaders from the north out. But then they couldn't predict that the invaders would be coming not from the north, but they came by sea from the west. Bringing, um, it says bringing superior military technology, opium, and later McDonald's. And we all know who those are. Um, that I think is us. <laughs> Uh, so it says here that the Great Wall of China is also referred to as world's largest tombstone. As many as 400,000 people died during the wall's construction, and many of the workers were buried within the wall itself. 
it never really served its function as uh, this impregnable line of defense. And historians consider a big giant failure as a defense system. Not because of the actual structure itself, but because of a big giant factor, which is people. <laughs> um, so this is a quote from Genghis Khan. He said, The strength of a wall depends on the courage of those who defend it. So that's a little history lesson. Um, does any of that sound kind of familiar to what we are going through here in America right now? So back to Ramon and Juanita. The way to come to, to Tijuana is the same, same, same thing. There's no, no other way easy or hard is the same thing. Mm -hmm. It just... Uh, to, to cross that, that that day was more more difficult because well I, I was still I was about 17 in, in, in months so I was strong so that time there was about five six people in my town we, 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 we together but one of them he has a he has a, a passport so he went to cross and they don't let him cross something what happened with, with his passport so they take it away from him. So he coming back to the motel where when we we are. I'm gonna try to cross the line like like you with you guys, and and he was really a little chubby. Well, not not really chubby. The thing is, he, he's not used to walk or run because they just out of shape. They, they just shape. It's out of shape. So anyway, so the time come to to cross. The coyote takes us way, way far, far, far away to walk inside. We start about 6 o'clock in the afternoon. And I got my uncle. My uncle is heavy. And then he was heavy too, but I mean, I was in the front all the time with, with the coyote. But me and I, is, they, they start getting tired. So, shh. Carried them? Well, yeah, I, I hold it. Yeah, I carry it in, uh, in, you know, in, in my shoulder. You know, this but I, I was helping them to, to, to walk. I don't want to leave it alone. That was me back and forth, run, run back and forth, back and forth. And, uh, and one at a time, I went, I went to the coyote. You know what? Hey, it's, uh, slow down. I, I got two, two, two guys here. This, this, and they cannot walk anymore. Because that, that day, I we walking all night long. So how long did that, that walk take? To six o'clock. Uh, we get the, to the to the car. Is it three? About five o'clock. Oh my God! So that took almost like eleven hours. Mm -hmm. it, it telling me, it don't worry about me. I can walk no more. Say, say to the other guy, just just leave me here. Say no, I'm not gonna leave you guys here. I'm not. I'm gonna do whatever I can, but I, I'm not gonna leave you guys here. I would say around four o'clock we stop. We stop and at the place that we supposed to meet. The, the guys are gonna pick us up. So we there is it's cold, and we got the clothes wet because yeah, it's of the. January. Uh, January is cold. Mm -hmm. it's, it's still winter. Well, you know, we, we stay for an hour. Wait, wait, wait. It start, start, start getting uh, the daylight. The funny was, funny thing was, the 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 guy that has a passport. When he saw the cars, boom! He took off. <laughs> he lays all, all of us on, on the back, which is fine, which is good, no? 
He could go out and I stayed home. It was a very hard life the first couple of years for me. Sometimes he didn't, he leave in the morning, he didn't come back till nighttime. A lot of times on the weekends and I'd be just stuck at home. So you I hated it. I hated it. Okay. And that's, then I started speaking out and he didn't like that. And I think he, because he had a previous relationship and he had a son, he was still in love with the other lady. I think that's what it was. Later on, we did, we talked, and he kind of agreed. I go, the, I think, and I and I went through it because he what really wasn't in love with me. And so, if he put me through hell, it was me, alone with the kids. I think it took like ten, fifteen years. But it, it's it was hard. It was very hard for me. Then he left me a couple times. Oh, yeah, he left me a couple times because I would I was fighting for my rights. So he left one time. He disappeared for a week. Another time for a week. Then another week. And another weekend. And at first I was worried. But then, I, the first time his mother called me, he said, "She said, I know you guys are having trouble, but he's over here. Don't worry." So I didn't worry. The second time I called and they told me they didn't know. From then on, I told them, your family didn't let me know that you were over there. From now on, if you don't come home, I'm not gonna go look for you. You're on your own. Whatever happens, you're on your own. I, I love Mexico, but I still I love here because this country, they give me what I, I, I never have in my, in my own country. I have nothing to say about good things for here. I come here to do to do what I'm supposed to do, work. No give it, no give it to, trouble to the to to the law, and I'm here. Nothing I can say bad. So does America want to spend billions of dollars and all our resources? to keep people like Juanita and Ramon out of her country? So instead of absorbing, growing, learning from the many different cultures which makes America, do we want to shut out the people we think are different from us? And how about the millions of foreigners that are already in our country? I go to classes, but just fun classes. I like to dance, but I have two left feet. I did a little bit of line dancing, so now when I go, if they do some line dancing, I can do a little bit of it. And I want to go back and do some ballroom dancing. And I also, once a month or twice a month, I help in the theater here. I'm an usher, and then I help in uh, the in the church. They have um, like a little store that they open Saturday and Sundays to make to sell used items. And I have fun. Plus, I'm very busy with those kids. Oh my God. <laughs> so as you could imagine, Juanita and Ramon have been married and they are still going strong at 43 years. And between the two of them, they have four kids and 12 grandchildren, all living in the United States. You know that little voice in your head that drives you crazy? 
this is the part where I like to ask my guest, what language is your inner monologue speaking to you in? I do both languages. Even in my regular conversations with people that I bilingual, I, I go back and forth. I don't stick with one language. Like with my husband, I do half and half. Please subscribe to America Redefined on iTunes or SoundCloud. For questions and concerns and for more information, go to my website, www.yomamarice.com. How long do you have to be in America before you're considered an American? <laughs>